You know, it's a different world we live in. Of course, I grew up in the city when I was real young. We lived in, in River Oaks on a, on a little bitty street in the 1416 Lawrence Street. I can't remember, I still remember that. But I was four years old when we moved out of that house. We moved out of that house and, and moved to Richland Hills. But in all the places we lived, there were street lights. And I was always allowed to go as long as I could be close enough that I could hear Mama's voice. So I could go next door. I could go across the street. If you knew my mama, you probably know I could go about three blocks and I could still hear her when she stepped out the door. That's, that's just the way things were. I didn't test that all that much, but I figured I probably could have. There's something about mama's call and mama's voice. It doesn't matter where you're at. If your mama is talking to you, it's a voice you know. It's a voice you understand. Uh, as I was going over my notes last night, I, I have a file in my Dropbox that is my mama's voicemail message that I took off of her phone. And so, as I was going over these notes and I, and I heard that, I stopped to listen to her voice. And when you're in a crowd, wherever you're at, if mama's talking, you hear mama. You know it's mama. I mean, it doesn't matter. You know it's your mom. It could be, you know, and especially if she's using all three of your names. But, you know, you can understand mama's voice. You understand that. It's a voice that you know. It's a voice that you're intimate with. It's one of those voices that we're, before, before cell phones and caller ID, I mean, I know some of the younger people don't understand that, but there was a time when the phone rang, it was like the lottery. You had to pick it up and say hello. You didn't know who was calling. You had to so before that, before we knew who was calling, you pick up the phone and mama just had to say hello and you knew it was mama. There was, there was no guessing about that. It's a voice that we knew, a voice that we have comfort with. And, and sometimes I don't think we have the same experience with God's voice. There are times when we don't quite hear God's voice in the way that we need to hear God's voice. We, we begin to wonder, what does God sound like? I know when I was doing youth, that was one of the biggest questions youth would ever ask me. Well, how can I know that God is the one talking to me? How can I know that this is God's voice? What does God sound like? How do we hear Him? Uh, you know, I remember my, my own personal call to ministry. and I remember thinking, man, I heard God speak. I know I did. And then when I walked in there, you know, I told my youth bishop that God had talked to me. He said, He called you. If you say God talked to you, people are going to think you're crazy. Because it's just the way that people react to things. He called you. The voice of God and how we hear Him, that's a very confusing thing. And so this week we are finishing out our series, Elijah, Faith, Fire, and Frustration. And we are in 1 Kings 19 again. We are finishing off the chapter that we started last week. And uh, we hear something about God's voice in this chapter. And we start there in 1 Kings 19, starting in verse 9b, technically, the second half of verse 9. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, What are you doing here, Elisha? And he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, but the Israelites have abandoned your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone left. And they are looking for me to take my life. Then he said, Go out and stand in the fountain in the presence of the Lord's presence. And at that moment the Lord passed by. A great and mighty wind was tearing at the mountain. And it was shattering cliffs before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. 
After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a voice, a soft whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, he replied, but the Israelites have abandoned your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they're looking for me to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, Go and return by the way you came to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, you are to anoint Haziel as king over Aram. You are to anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king over Israel, and Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel Maholah, as prophet in your place. Then Jehu will put to death whoever escapes the sword of Haziel, and Elisha will put to death whoever escapes the sword of Jehu. But I will leave 7,000 Israel, every knee that has not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. And Elijah left there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, as he was plowing. Twelve teams of oxen were in front of him, and he was with the twelfth team. And Elijah walked by him and threw his mantle over him. And Elisha left the oxen and ran to follow Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my mother and father, and then I will follow you. Go on back, he replied, for what have I done to you? So he turned back from following him and took the team of oxen and slaughtered them. And with the oxen's wooden yoke and plow, he cooked the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he left, followed Elijah, and served him. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time and use it for your glory. Father, use me as a vessel that words that I speak to yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you and we praise you. We ask all these things in the name of your son Jesus and for his sake and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. It's one of those great stories that you read and you go, oh, I wish that would happen to me. You know, sometimes we won't hear God unless we expect to hear God. Sometimes God will come to you and speak when you don't, when you're not expecting it. But many times, we're not going to hear from God if we're not expectantly waiting to hear from God. Elijah had gotten up and traveled to the mountain of God. Last week we talked about the fact that the angel told him the journey was going to be long, but the angel never said go. The angel said get up and eat because the journey is going to be long, and then Elijah just went. Elijah went to the mountain of God. He could have went anywhere else. He could have gone somewhere else. He could have taken off and run to a different country. He didn't do that. He ran to the mountain of God. He was there for a reason. He went out to wait on God. To hear what it was that God was going to say to him. He positioned himself for an encounter with God. We have to do the same thing. If we want to hear from God, we have to position ourselves to have an encounter with God. So often we sit there and we say, well, I wish God would talk to me like that, but we don't do anything to put ourselves in a situation to hear from God. We just kind of go, I kind of wish He would show up. It's kind of like saying, I really wish I could have my dream job, but I never put my application in. Maybe sometimes God will work in some miraculous way and get you that job, but if you never tried for it, I don't think you're going to get it. You know, I don't know how many people I had... A man said one time, I really wish I could win that lottery. I was like, well, are you playing it? No. Well, then you're not going to win it. Not that I'm condoning going out and playing the lottery. I'm just saying you can't win the lottery if you don't buy the ticket. When it comes to following God and hearing from God, most of the time,
not going to hear from God if we don't think we're going to hear from God. When we walk into this room on Sunday morning and we sit in these seats, if we don't expect to hear from God, we're probably not going to hear from God. We're going to walk in, we're going to hear a speech, and we're going to go home. That's what it's going to boil down to. Because we're not ready to hear. You know, it, it, we, we get out of worship what we bring into worship. We get out of anything what we bring to it. I remember when I went to seminary, and almost everybody at seminary with me had gone to undergrad. Well, we're all sitting there going, well, we've already learned all this stuff once. There's something, there's something wrong with our ministerial training education at this point in time. Because 30 years ago, you went to undergrad and you got a degree for teaching or for psychology or whatever else. And then you went to seminary to train the Bible. Well, now we're all going and they're telling us to go get our Bible degree in undergrad. Well, then you go to seminary and you're there for three years and it's the exact same stuff you just spent four or eight, if you're me, eight years studying in undergrad. And so I had several friends who quit seminary. I know all this. I don't want to go into any more debt, so I'm just going to go. They're no longer in the ministry. They're no longer doing any of those things. But I decided, and I told Carrie, I said, you know, I think the key here is I have to put in the extra work to figure out what it is that God is saying to me. Yes, I know this. Yes, I could just sit here and just, just turn out papers. I could probably go back to my files and just print off papers I've already written. But if I really want to get the experience that God has for me here, I've got to put in the place to put myself in a position to hear from God. And the same is true for every believer. We have to expect to hear from God. We have to get to that place. We have to go where we need to go to hear what God is going to say. But you know, sometimes God's voice doesn't sound like we think it will. It's not what we expect. I love this story. Elijah goes to the mountain of God. And I think about all the stories you hear about the mountain of God in the Old Testament. The cloud descends upon the mountain. And there's thunder and there's lightning. And, and God speaks to Moses from the cloud. And the people of Israel say, Moses, you can have the leadership position. Don't let him talk to us anymore. Big, booming voices. When we think of God up until the last 30 years when he started to become Morgan Freeman, before that it was that big, booming voice. You would think, God, but you know. And so Elijah goes to the mountain and he's waiting and he knows, okay, go out to here. And he expected him. And he went outside and he's like, man, there's a tornado coming through. This is God. Wasn't there. And the earth started to shake. Woo! God's getting ready. Wasn't there. And the fire comes whipping through the valley. And Elijah's going, this has got to be God. He's the consuming fire. He came down on the mountain in the fire. He spoke in the burning bush. This has got to be God. And God wasn't there. And then God begins to talk. He was like us. He wanted God's voice to be a big show. <laughs> we always want God to talk to us like He talks to the people in the BC comics. The big sign falls from the sky, points that way, do this, do that. That's not usually how God works. God came to Elijah, and it wasn't what Elijah expected. Elijah thought, man, he is going to do something big. 
This is going to be it. I can't imagine it. After going through the mountainside, after being up there and watching him consume the altar, the offering, the water, the dirt under the altar, and everything on the mountain, what do you expect God to sound like? If God becomes up there, he starts to talk and he says, Hey, Elijah. Hey. Elijah. I uh, had a teacher once who, when she uh, wanted to get our attention, she would say, very softly, if you can't hear me, you're too loud. And she would say it over and over again, if you can't hear me, you're too loud. And at some point, somebody in the front would hear her, and they would stop talking and face forward just stand there. If you can't hear me, you're too loud. And that would filter through. That's what God's doing here, Elijah. Elijah. There's two dangers that happen whenever God's voice is at what we expect. The first danger is we'll miss God's voice altogether. If we expect God's voice to only be one thing, then, then we find ourselves in a situation where, well, that can't be God speaking. God couldn't be doing that. God couldn't speak in that way. Because God is God. And when He talks, He's going to let us know. I have literally never had God yell at me and say, Troy. You know? I've never had God like Abraham on the mountain. He's fixing to kill his son. And I, I have a feeling God went there, Abraham, stop! He didn't say Abraham. He yelled at him. He got his attention. That's what we want God's voice to be. And so if we put God in this box and we say, okay, God, your voice has to sound like this, we may miss his voice altogether. Or sometimes we may mistake something else for God's voice. God's voice has to be the big thing. God's voice has to be this. All these doors open, this has to be God. Well, I can open the door. The devil can open the door. We have this danger when God doesn't speak like we think He should speak. When God talks to individuals, it's personal. It's not showy. My favorite new Easter morning, resurrection morning story is the garden. It's Mary Magdalene. And she has, she's beside herself because this one that she loved, he is gone and she doesn't know where he is and she is just doesn't know what to do. Jesus shows up, and we don't know if it's because she had so many tears in her eyes or what it was, but she doesn't recognize Him at all. And she's like, dude, if you'll just tell me where you put Him, I'll go get Him. I'll get the ladies. We will move Him. I will become unclean. That is okay. Just tell me. And Jesus says one word, very softly, very tenderly. He says, Mary. Jesus! When God speaks to us, not showing. It's not big. It's personal. He speaks to us and he, and he whispers into our soul. And sometimes God's voice tells us what we already know. Elijah had already asked the exact same question. You ever been where Elijah's at? Elijah's at reply sounds a little rehearsed. He says the exact same words twice. So, you know, when you're going to the principal's office or you're going to the boss's office and you're going, well, this is what happens, this is what happens, this is what happens, this is what happens. And you're just thinking about it. That's what Elijah's been doing for days. Well, you see, I'm alone. 
anymore. I mean, he just goes through this whole thing over, over and over again. I've been very zealous. I have been for you. I have been doing what I need to do. But the Israelites, they don't do it. They abandoned everything. They built altars. They abandoned your covenant. They did all the things they need to do. They killed the prophets. Now they're trying to kill me too. They said the same thing twice. And Elijah, whining to God, <laughs> and God says, Elijah, you're not alone. That's basically what he says, right? You're not alone. Go and return. You're, you're not alone. I didn't leave you alone. You know, the Bible teaches many things, and sometimes God reiterates what He's teaching. I, I struggle sometimes. I, I try to keep a record of the sermons that I preach, so I'm not repeating myself all the time. And there are times that I'll preach something, I'll walk away and I'll say, didn't I say that three weeks ago? Sometimes God reiterates things. Sometimes God repeats things. Here a few days ago, I think it was on our Bible reading in the mornings, I talked about that because when you get into those and you're going chronologically and, and you're going through these laws and Deuteronomy and everything else, He says things four and five times. And so you read these three chapters and you go, okay, and you move the next three chapters and it's the same thing. And you're going, and finally I was one day, I was like, okay, God, what in the world do I say for a devotional? It's been the same thing for three days in a row. And God was like, well, duh. Sometimes you have to hear the same thing three days in a row again. God reiterates things. God says extra things. He does things and He keeps on. The Bible teaches many things and sometimes God reiterates it. But you know, God always speaks truth to His followers. Remember last week when I said that true faith and trust in something or someone is true requires vulnerability in your interaction? <laughs> Elijah believed he was the only one. Elijah was in the middle of his pity party. God, I've been very zealous. I've done everything I'm supposed to do. But everybody else has it. It's just me, God. It's me alone. Everybody else is a man in you, but God, I'm the only one who is faithful. And God says, uh, no. Go back where you came from. Go back on that same road. And when you get there, anoint Haziel as king over Aaron. Anoint Jehu as king over Israel. And anoint Elisha as prophet in your place. But there are 7,000 people in Israel who have not bowed the knee. I don't think Elijah wanted to hear that. <laughs> I mean, think about it. How often do we go to God with something and God says, No, that's not the way it works. That's, that's not really the truth. Here's the truth. God tells us the truth whether we want to hear it or not. Most of the time, we don't want to hear the truth. Most of the time, God's saying, you need to get rid of that. You just need to quit. I told you before, some of Carrie and I's hardest things we've done in, in our marriage is when God will convict us about something we watch on TV or something else, and we'll go, okay, I, I know we spent $180 to buy this series on DVD, but we need to sell it. <laughs> but God, oh, it helps me relate 
in this world. Eh, you can. I said sell it. But, but God, um, we, you know, that would be a, a, a very bad stewardship move because we pay so much for it and we can't. I said sell it. It happens over and over and over again. Because we get comfortable with those pebbles in our lives, right? We get comfortable. And so we, there have been times where we bought it again. Well, you know, and it's funny because then you have kids and it's like God puts a magnifying glass and you go, oh my gosh, did we really watch that? But God always speaks truth. He always tells us what the truth is, whether we want to hear it or not. So if you go to God and say, God, as David says in the Psalms, seek me and know me, you better be prepared for what he's going to tell you. Because he's going to tell you the truth. And it may be ugly. And you may go, but God, I didn't want to hear that part of it. I wanted to hear the well done. That's what Elijah wanted, honestly. If I'm being, if we're being honest here, Elijah, if he would have, if he would have something, one something else, he just would have said, God, I'm done, just please take it. That's not what he said. He said, God, I've been zealous for you. And nobody else has. And now they're trying to kill me. God, break in. He wanted him, I think, to do what he said to Moses. Because remember, Moses, several times in the Pentateuch, what's he say? Moses, I'm sick and tired of these people. I'm going to wipe them out, and I'm going to start over with you. Elijah, Elijah knows God can get angry sometimes. Elijah knows what was promised at the end of Deuteronomy, where God says, and I'm going to tear you up. I'm going to send you off. You're going to live somewhere else. You're going to serve other gods, because if you want to serve other gods, you're going to go where they live. You're not going to do it in my land. And Elijah's going, God, it's time. It's time, God. They're not listening. I'm listening, though. And God says, Elijah, there are 7,000 people who have not bowed the knee. Elijah was just told that last chapter, right? By somebody else. When, when he said, go and tell the king that I'm here. Because the other prophet, he says, Elijah, I've hidden. I've hidden people in pockets. They're, hidden, they're hiding in caves. Elijah's been told that there are people who were faithful who've been hidden. And Elijah just doesn't want to believe it. And God says there are 7,000 people. He tells the truth. So when you go to God and you say, God, examine me, seek me, try me, He's going to tell you the truth. And He may say, get rid of that show. He may say, get rid of that person. He may say, don't quit them. But don't be out there with them. You know, God's done that to my life several times. Pray for them. Help them. But they can't be the main source of, of hope for you in your life. They can't be your main companionship. You have to find someone else. He may tell you what you are doing is sin, and you don't like that. <laughs> I didn't like it when God impressed upon me that speeding was a sin. Now, most of you out there may be going, Brother Troy, you went to meddling. I'm going to meddling right here. God impressed it upon me that speeding is a sin. Why? Because the law says don't speed. And if I'm speeding, what does that say to the people around me who don't know Jesus? That's tough. But I want to get there fast. I just want to get there on time. That means i got to get up earlier. Nobody wants to do that. 
that, but sometimes God does that. He speaks truth. And you know, God speaks to his followers to uplift his followers. He didn't tell Elijah he was wrong because he wanted to shame Elijah. He told Elijah he was wrong because he wanted to uplift him. Elijah, you're not alone. But he goes a step further. Last week, Elijah said, God, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. Let me die. And he gets to the mountain. And God says, Elijah, you're not alone. But I have more work for you to do. Go and anoint Aziel. Go and anoint Jehu. And go and anoint Elisha as your successor. Elijah, if you don't want to do this anymore, I'm not going to make you do this anymore. That's what he's saying. You're going to anoint your successor. If you really want out, Elijah, I'm going to let you out. You know, God does that. He doesn't make us really do anything. He doesn't make us follow Him. He doesn't make me preach. He doesn't make you come to church. He doesn't make us do anything. So many people have always said, well, I can't believe a loving God would send people to hell. He doesn't. He doesn't. They send themselves to hell. Because God doesn't even force heaven on someone. He doesn't make anyone go to heaven. What hell is, hell is if you said to God, God, I don't want any part of you, God's not going to force you to have a part of him whenever the world is. Hell wasn't made for people who don't accept Jesus. Hell was made for the devil and his angels. That's what hell is made for. You just end up there if you don't accept Jesus because God's not going to force you to go to heaven. Now, the problem with that is this is a whole other sermon. That's a whole other sermon. Oh. Elijah went there whining and God reassures him. Elijah, you're not alone. And you don't have to do this anymore. I, I think sometimes we're afraid to hear from God. We're afraid to hear what He will say. We're afraid to hear what it is that He wants us to do. And we shouldn't be, because the truth is, even if He wants us to give up things or change something, even if that's where He wants us to be and what He wants us to do, it's for our reassurance. When God wants to change something in my life, He doesn't look at the sin in my life and say, Troy, you shouldn't do that. And I'm very, I'm just, I don't love you. It's not what God says. God says, Troy, you should really change this. And I want you to change this. And if you change this, our relationship can be better. But if you don't, I'm still going to be here. Here's a secret about marriage that I've known in my, 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 his, my, my measly 18 years of marriage. Here's my secret about marriage. It's, it's, it's not about my feelings. And it's really not even about my happiness. It's about the commitment that I've made to something. Because Carrie could come to me 
She has. She's learned in 18 years to come to me. Because th this, this is how it used to work. Okay. This was a learned behavior. This isn't even her fault. It was a learned behavior. This is how it used to work. <clears throat> oh, well, you know, the trash really needs to be taken out some point today. That doesn't even that doesn't even process in my mind. It's like oh, okay, that's good knowledge to know. The trash is hanging out somewhere, and all the guys are going yes, yes. I thought she's finally learned. Now it's hey babe, can you hit the trash out? Oh sure, and I'll get up and do it because you guys did it when you tried it. No, and you know it was one of those things where we've had to learn those things through that commitment phase, right? It's she came to me and she said, why don't you ever take out the trash when I tell you to? You never tell me to take out the trash. <laughs> well, I always do. I tell you the trash needs to be taken out today. I said, that's not telling me to take out the trash. That's telling me the facts of the situation. I didn't know that's what you wanted. Just that. We've been married two years, three years. When one Sunday afternoon, she was in the worst mood ever. <laughs> ever. I didn't think our marriage was going to last 18 years, three years in, because she was so mad that day. And I was like, what did I do? I went to the trash can. It was empty. I tried to figure out everything I could do. And she said, I'm fine, okay. What's wrong? She said, it doesn't matter how much I get dressed up on Sunday. You never tell me how pretty I look. But you don't, and I'm doing it for you. She didn't like my reply when I said, you're probably never going to hear that from me on a Sunday morning. And she said, what? I said, well, let's, let's work on this commitment now. Um, I said, on Sunday morning, my mind is elsewhere. On Sunday morning, I am preparing to do something that God has told me that I need to do. And I said, I, I don't have time to be distracted with how pretty I think my wife is. And she went, oh. said, it's not that I don't think you're gorgeous on Sunday morning. I don't have time to sit there and think about that. Because God wants me somewhere else. And there's something that I have to do. You know, that's how this works. There's this commitment that we have to do what God has called us to do. And so when God comes to us and He says, I want you to take that out of your life. He's not saying, I'm going to do it whether you like it or not. He's saying, take that out of your life. And if you do, your relationship will be stronger. Since that day, Carrie, would you not say that our relationship is better on those days? Because you're not going. <sighs> it's just it. And there are times that, that you know, she, you know, she doesn't get the things that I would do, and I would get why she doesn't do that. I mean, why are you doing that? I mean, you know, laundry, right? I would be like, why don't I ever have any clean shorts? And she was like, there's just so much laundry. And I'm thinking, I've got four pairs of shorts, and that's all I ever wear. What are you talking about? There's, well, when I went in there, she had how many How many different categories were there? Shorts, shirts, jeans. Whites, darks, pinks, blues, purples, delicates. There were 16 piles in the living room. And I was like, that's like, there's one load. There's another load. And she was like, what? You can't do that. I was like, watch me. And we did it. 
And so she's still not down to the two piles that I'm down to, but she has a lot less piles now. We had to work through those things. And, and guess what? Our relationship is stronger because I have clothes now. It's great. When God does these things, when He talks to us and speaks to us, it's never to tear us down. It's never to make us feel uncomfortable. It's to say, I want my relationship with you to be closer. Are you committed to me enough to give me this? That's it. I was like, I mean, you know, that's why that, the trash, that's what it was. I was carrying, are you committed enough to me just to say, will you take the trash out? Um, I mean, we, we work on those things and God does that to us too. We can't be afraid to hear from God because we're afraid He's going to tell us we have to change them. We have to say, okay, God, I will give it to you. And I will change that. That will draw us closer. That will make us stronger. Because that's what God is doing. When Elijah heard him in the cave and he told Elijah, okay, you're not alone, Elijah. I know you wanted your whining to be okay, but you're not alone. And you can stop. You're going you're gonna to anoint Elisha. And then when you get later on, oh man, he doesn't even die. God comes and gets him in a fiery chariot. So, fire on the mountain, rain in the valley, whining on the mountain in God's voice, and then God takes him up in fire again. Those are the bookends. That's amazing. Maybe this morning... Maybe you have been struggling with some huge endeavor. You've been trying to hear from God. You've been wanting to know His plan. Well, now's the time to say, okay, I'm going to position myself to hear from God. Maybe this morning, you've been listening for the wrong voice. Maybe you've expected James Earl Jones to start talking to you. Or Morgan Freeman. Something like that. Maybe. Maybe God just wants to talk to you and listen. And maybe this morning, God is trying to impress upon you a truth that you did not want to hear, but He's doing it for your own good. Maybe this morning you want to pray. The altar's open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to surrender missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Maybe you want to rededicate your life. Maybe this morning you've never known Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've never known the One who came and paid the price on the cross. Now's the time. We're not, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. But wherever you're at, whatever you need, give it to Him. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come to You right now and we thank You. We praise You for Your blessings.